Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And in case you didn't know, there is a full library of video content at positionofneutrality.org and on our YouTube channel. Thank you. 7 o'clock. Well, who's here at New Freedom for the first time? Anybody here for the first time tonight? A few of you. Yeah. Good. So first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a very different experience here. And what we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The 12-step approach has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, by the experience of, of these authors. And so what we do here is, is not tell you what the book says, because that's none of my business what it says to you. But what I do is I show you how I find what it says to me, because this isn't a book of my experience. It's a book of the first 100's experience. So when we look at a wall and see we in the, in, in the fellowships, they're not talking about any of us. They're talking about the first 100. They had this profound experience. Half of them were atheists or agnostics. The other half were believers dying in alcoholism. But collectively, they agreed on the same experience of the spirit, this experience of restoration, this experience of spiritual awakening, which empowered them to walk in the world free. Fair enough? So tonight, we're looking at steps 10 and 11, which is the conscious walk, right? We're going to start getting in discipline to walk around awakened to the spirit so that we know what opportunities are there to serve. And those instructions start on page 83 of the book. I'm going to back up just a little and I'm going to read through ninth step promises because that's how we lead into the 10 step manner of living. Fair enough? And so if you're following along in a book, you want to be in 83, the last paragraph. And if you're not following along in a book, Okay, but have your way. I might lie to you. Okay, so it says, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So halfway through with what? So Sean is talking about the practices we learned in four through nine. Sean doesn't have all the answers. Anyone else? It's a manner of living, so, so he's correct, and he, it may be misleading. How many of you started having your second step, your third step experiences when you introduced somebody else to their first step or their third step? How many of you taking someone through a fifth step had a profound second step, a profound encounter with the spirit within you? So before we're halfway through with activating this manner of living, we're going to be amazed, right? We're, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. What's new me? Unlike anything I've ever experienced before, what did I ask for in three? Relieve me of the bondage of self. How many of you said that prayer didn't really know what the heck that meant? Okay, they said say it, so I said it. And the new freedom, the new happiness is I've finally gotten free of me, so I'm finally free to be me. Three of those limiting thoughts about me that have kept me from becoming a better version of me. Yes? Make sense? 
So we'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity and we'll know peace. How does one comprehend and know? It's experiential, isn't it? Okay. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. How many of you have started to have that experience? That's when you really know they're talking about activating the manner of living because the big amends that I'm prepping for in nine is working with others, right? And now I'm starting to go out and take this healing power out for a walk, yeah? So those things I thought were a waste of life become tools, right? Okay. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. That's pretty good news when I determined by the time I made my third step decision that self-seeking was a significant part of my problem. Yeah? Any of you have a similar? Okay. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. We call to your attention the promises they list because they're states of being. And as you become less and less obsessed with self and start focusing more and more on the needs of others, this freedom just comes. Not, not Because all I wanted was freedom from addiction, and I'm not even thinking about that anymore. I'm thinking about how to help, right? And so I'm really having this, even if I'm atheist or agnostic, I know I said a prayer and it worked. Right? God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, and I didn't even know God. A week ago. Okay, so those are tangible sensory experiences and we know them, right? And so now they're going to lead us into, because it sounds so crazy to anybody that we're promising all this freedom, it says, are these extravagant promises? Right? There's a, there's a question mark. They want us to go inward, eyesight, without insight, spiritual blindness, I've been promised crap before. It didn't work. They are extravagant promises. But let's, because I'm thinking, yeah, show me. But now they're going to tell us. We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. This is the story of the first 100 and their experience with the first several thousand men and women who have recovered, and they're telling you, based on their experience, even though it seems too good to believe, we serve an extravagant God. Okay. So then it says, this thought brings us to step 10. What thought? We serve an extravagant God is one of those thoughts. I mean, you feel it. But all those promises, right? How many of you have... Never had it broke down for you, but you have experienced this freedom from self. Started showing up, started doing things and felt a little better about your shot. Okay? So, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, I had to start. When did I start? Continue to take personal inventory. When did I start? They showed me how to do it inventory in step four. And when did I learn to set right new mistakes? 
Steps eight and nine, with the information I got from my step four, I learned in eight and nine to make a list, and then what I was going to do, I was properly armed with the facts about myself. I'm going to continue doing that as I go along. Does that make sense? Okay. It says, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. Remember when they talked to us about a way of living? Clear back in that hopeful chapter how it works. The people who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women constituting capable of grasping and developing a manner of living, remember all that stuff? So now they're, they've got us to this point, I've got an inventory, I'm armed with the facts about me, I've got a set of people I'm going to go out and admit harms to and, and start getting my restitution game on, yeah? And, and now that's what the manner of living looks like. And then it tells me, we have entered the world of the Spirit. Doesn't say we might have, doesn't say some of us have. Based on our experience, about 60% of you will. The first 100, their experience with the first several thousand, they get to this point, we have entered the world of the Spirit. What's it like to have entered the world of the Spirit? I don't regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. I lose interest in selfish things, gain interest in my fellows. I comprehend the word serenity. I know peace. How many of you have had those experiences? So now, see, the words come off the wall and they come alive in you, which is right where the word always was. Right? Okay. So our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Understanding of what? Effectiveness at what? It went silent. How many of you grew an understanding of yourself as sick rather than just bad or wasted or whatever you might have thought about yourself? How many of you grew an understanding of others when someone selflessly spent time with you to help you with it? How many of you grew an understanding of what people were talking about when they said the word God when you had the experience and someone pointed out to you that experience you're having? That's the power we call God. See why atheists and agnostics, some of you felt it again. You must, must be having a recall. Okay. All right. So, how many of you have learned what we're growing in effectiveness of? Have you taken the power out for a walk? Have you learned how to help people? Have you learned you're not the one that helps them, but the one that does help them operates through you, uses your mouth, your ears, your hands and feet? Wow, you're going to get to know you are a new creation, and not because someone told you so, because you're going to live it. Right? Okay. So this is not an overnight matter. Uh Uh-oh. How many of you discovered it wasn't an overnight matter? So they remind us it should continue for our lifetime. I turn my will and my life. I turn my thoughts and my breath. As long as I have a breath, I will advocate for my brothers and sisters. That's it. There's no completion of this manner of living. You just go and go and go, and God uses you as he sees fit. Yeah? Okay. So then it goes on to say, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start looking for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear? I learned to identify it in four, but what did four show me? What I learned in four is that I was really good at spotting selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you all my life. And until I got my selfish thoughts out of the way, I didn't know whether I was seeing your selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, or mine. There's another book where we're cautioned, 
How do you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Maybe you should remove the speck from your eye or plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. So the plank in my eye is a perspective. I cannot help someone I'm judging. Make sense? So this isn't just 80-year-old wisdom. This is very old wisdom. Okay? So then it says, when these crop up, you notice the promise there? Not if. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear is going to crop up. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So I'm obviously not asking God to strike my fellows. So I'm asking for my eyes to be open in the instant. So we're starting to get into the conscious walk, right? Any of you ever, how many of you had something disturbing happen today? Did you think some other human played a part in it? So when that happens, we ask for the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear to be removed so I can clearly see why God brought me to this moment and what I can do to be of service. Does it make sense? So they, they didn't disturb your slumber, they woke you up, so bless them, right? Okay, so we, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them, we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends if we've harmed anyone, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Can anyone tell me where in the steps it suggests I can help me? Nowhere in the steps does it suggest I can help me. If I tell you after my admission of powerlessness that I can help me, I lied and won, or I'm lying now. Right? So I can't help me, but I can see you. Does this make sense? So now they just told us the principles we're going to practice in all our affairs. It's not the long list that Bill wrote 15 years later that people memorized. They were right there in that paragraph. This was 15 years earlier. Steps were written first. Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask at once for them to be removed from us. Discuss them with another. How many of you have been introduced to the Spirit in this process? So as you grow in the Spirit, you're going to be talking to the Spirit. I would suggest to you, if you get stuck in the loop where you can't see your part, like you learned in four, after you've talked to the Spirit for a while, call somebody to help you sort it out. That's why we have humans to help us sort it out. Does that make sense? But the rest of the time, you should be talking to the Spirit. Because what, how does the Spirit pr- produce itself in us? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. The Spirit will inform my steps if I will let go of my selfish thoughts. Does that make sense? Okay. It's kind of cool. It sounds like this shit might work, huh? What do you think? So then it goes on to say, love and tolerance of others is our code. Love what? Tolerate what? Love the people. Tolerate the symptoms of their spiritual malady, just as I hope they will tolerate mine when they manifest, and manifest they will. Oh, you're laughing now. These are people who know me. They know that my stuff will manifest. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Did you know we had a code? It's a good idea to know we have a code. Can't get in the secret meetings if you don't know the code. Okay, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. In two, I was just hoping for that. And I've done these simple things that someone suggested. I learned the truth about me, not 
my truth, not your truth, but the truth about me. And in going out and bearing witness to that truth, sanity has returned. Pretty profound, isn't it? We'll seldom be interested in liquor if tempted will recoil us from a hot flame. Think of that promise. Seldom interested, and if tempted, recoil us from a hot flame. Any of you ever touched anything hot? No one had to say, get off of it, it's hot, right? You... So what's the chance you could use if that's going on? You can't. You're recovered. You cannot. Because you're awakened to who you really are versus who you think you are. Right? Why would I... Any of you drinkers? Got any drinkers in here? Did you guys ever get really hungry and didn't want to drink because you didn't want to wreck the buzz? The more you grow in the spirit, you may be tempted, but you're not going to want to wreck the buzz. There's a, there's a new thing going on in you. Yeah? Okay. All right. So... We'll seldom be interested in liquor if tempted will recoil us from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. How, would, how many of you would like to have your reactions be described as sane and normal? That's why people will notice your recovered state before you do. And they'll call it to your attention and they'll believe your witness because you didn't tell them. See, the light's self-evident. I don't have to tell you the lights are coming on. When they come on, it fills the room. When the lights come on in me, you'll see it first. And that's my opportunity to honor step three. Joe, you seem to be doing a lot better. Well, I got God. He sees to it. I do better. Right? His power, his love, his way of life. I didn't have nothing to do with this shit. I just came here because I was wrecking things. Okay. So we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's a pretty profound promise. How many of you wanted to use the steps for other things? Did you find out that whatever you perceive the problem to be, the solution is the same and the solution will remove it? Did you notice that you still have to let go? So if you don't honestly want to and you're not willing to make the effort, sometimes it's difficult, right? But it works every time when we abandon ourselves completely. Kind of cool. We need to tell people that because they give the addiction to everybody or to God and then they just say, I'll take care of the rest of the shit. None of you have done that? Life was still something of a turmoil? Okay. Okay, it just comes, that's the miracle of it. We're neither fighting it nor are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. So that's for our scientific minds. How many of you have discovered that you are oftentimes empowered to act, speak kinder than you feel like acting or speaking? What is that but a power greater than you operating through you? You live in a world that at the cellular level, all of us are action-reaction. That's the laws of the world in which we live. When you don't react, you've been raised above the laws of this world. There's another book that talks of that extensively, but this one speaks of the experience. How many of you, some of you, I can feel you sharing this experience. So you know this is happening for you. It's transformational, yeah? Okay, so we've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So what's the problem? 
They sort of identified a fear problem that drove everything. Fear drives manifestations of self. Doubt about who I am and whose I am and what that means. And Yeah? Okay. So that problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. See how they're clearly talking about a fear problem that's been removed now? Yeah. So they they tell us that's our experience. And then they tell us that's how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So there's a condition. How many of you have found that your reactions were not sane and normal at times? How many of you have found that you have reacted to the way people treated you or the way you perceived they treated you? Okay, so when that happened, there's something the matter with your spiritual condition. There's nothing the matter with you, but you're, you're in slumber. So what's the practice? If I, if I think the world's causing how I think and feel, what's the practice? Watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Ask it once that it be removed from me. Discuss with another and resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. It's never me. Right? So now they've described the manner of living, they've described the conscious walk, and they've helped us to understand that, of course, we're going to revert to humanness because we're human. But it's all about defending the high place. Everything is lived out in our thought life, right? Okay, so then it says it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. How many of you discovered that? How many of you are thinking, what the hell is a laurel? So they're just talking about our past accomplishments, right? We see it, you know, I do, I've been doing this for years. I've read that book. I've been there. I don't like them. Whatever, right? Okay. I don't need to go on that 12-step call. Let the new guys do it. Really? And the phone rang at your house, huh? I'm thinking don't assign God's assignments. I never did that when the dope man called. Hey, Lance, would you go get high for me? Anyway, we get silly, right? Okay. All right, so we're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. They're just warning us that we drift into slumber, and then we're living in the world, prisoners to desire, and that desire pulls us out again. And until we remember who we are and whose we are and claim that power, we're subject to that deception. Again, yes? We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So it's kind of bad because we thought we were here getting our cure, huh? No, we came here to meet our healer. And then in order to stay conscious of the healer in me, I've got to continue the healings, right? Take that power out for a walk. There's another book that talks about blood of the lamb, what he did, and the word of my testimony, what he's doing for me and now for you, right? Okay, so every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Which ones? How do we carry the vision of God's will? What do you imagine God's will is? Whatever's going on, absent my selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Make sense? 
And, and I'm a being, not a doing. So if I'll just get that out of the way, then I'll get in further instruction. It's usually Joe, be still. Button it up, Joe. So they're going to tell you how they did it. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. They put the not mine in parentheses because that's my delusion, not God's. God's will has no opposite. I like to think there's God's will in my will, but there's God's will in my disagreement with it. And so that's going to go away when they awaken and they're serving. Yeah? Okay. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. So what thoughts must go with us constantly? How can I best serve? What are you showing me? What are you showing me? What are you showing me? Please remove myself to dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Yeah? Okay. So we can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. Did you know there was a proper use of your will? Of course, I'm turning it over to God. So I not only can see God's will, but I can agree with it. And when I move in agreement, then signs and wonders follow. For those of you on the religious side of the thing, and for those of you less so, then, well, signs and wonders follow. (laughs) The hopeless get hope. The the lame walk. The prisoners get set free. You, You guys know where you're sitting in here, right? There's a new freedom. You know what it was built for? It was built for people who were prisoners. Do you know who built it for them? The God we're talking about. Because I'll guarantee you, all of us that are involved in it, collectively, don't possess the skills to do what was done here. It's all identity here. So, Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. All knowledge and power. What's all mean? How many of you thought you came up with an original idea? (laughs) Eventually we realize that things come to us because the Spirit presents his power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction. My steps are informed by the power within because this power not only inhabits my past, my present, and my future, but knows exactly what I'm going through and why. So it's a good idea to get guidance, yeah? You don't have to believe, but just look at your past, look where you're sitting, look what was done when you didn't plan for it, and tell me how that happened if that weren't true. Okay, so if we've carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. Now they're talking to us about the tangible sensory experience of knowing whose we are. And in fact, once we know whose we are and we encounter anyone else who is also owned by that power, you will find that even when they don't know, you'll know because the signature of the spirit will be present. Kind of cool. See why it's good to know the little secrets for the secret meetings? Because we got signatures and codes and all kind of cool shit. Like decoder rings and stuff. All right, so to some extent we become God conscious. So now they're talking to us about the awakened state. To some extent we're awakening to the spirit in us. And we're not only awakening to that spirit, but we're awakening to our changed nature. How many of you have different reactions than you once had. 
kind of spooky if someone doesn't help us understand that, right? Some of us come from cultures where if they disrespect me, I got to do something about it. But in this world, it's the fists of our mind, not the fists of our flesh. Right? Okay. So we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So what is the sixth sense? God consciousness, the awareness of being aware that there's something animating me that is not me. How many of you know that experience? I hope everyone does. And if you don't, grab someone raising their hand and have them introduce you to this power because it's vital. But we must go further and that means more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. They got me started praying and they talked to me about meditation and how it works, right? Interesting, the first time they mentioned meditation is on page 69 where they talk about sex. I don't know if it's relational. I can't, I, I can't tell. Why would I want to pray and meditate? Wouldn't it make sense that I would receive the answers I asked for? Given that this power presents this power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction, and I can get informed as I go along, wouldn't it make sense I would not only ask for guidance, but discern guidance? How many of you have received guidance? Sure. So we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. You think they mean constantly? There was a teacher one time said, pray ceaselessly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So what's the proper attitude? Honestly want to, willing to make the effort. This is the part in the teaching that I always piss people off. Because there's people that will tell you, just even if you don't believe, just pray. They lied. God does not care about prayers you don't care about. They told you this clearly in here. They said, we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost self. This is a first step, right? And you can't do that based on a lie. So if it's not real to you, it ain't happening. There's another book that tells you, you, you Samaritans, you worship what you don't know, but we, the Jews, we, we worship what we do know because we're chosen. And I'm telling you that the time is coming when you won't be going over there. You must worship in spirit and in truth. That's very old teaching. The authors learned it as true. So God does not care about prayers you don't care about. So if you're praying to light bulb socks, doorknobs, cease. Powers found within you, precise instructions, tangible experience. We don't want to be mean to anyone, but silliness kills people. Okay, so yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Well, that would be changed nature, wouldn't it? How many of you have destructively reviewed your day? Somebody else's day, right? The sons of bitches. You ever have one of those? So we're going we're gonna to start taking ownership of our day, right? Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? What they have me asking for all day? Remove from me selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And now at the end of the day, I'm going to check in because they know as a human I did not do it all day as I went along. True? Because it's a book of experience. They just, they're just letting us know what it is to be human. 
who has the deadly affliction of addiction. And if you want to be free of you, so you're free to be you, so you don't need a spiritual release of a synthetic variety, and you can operate inebriated in the spirit, then this is the path we take. Okay, do we owe an apology? If you're struggling with it, you may. This is when it would help to have a human, a sponsor, or whoever you call them, to call and say, man, I just can't see my part. And have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? That's because I don't want to make the apology I know I owe. And so the other person I'm willing to talk to is the person I trust with my... Yeah? I don't want to call my sponsor. Well, I might, but... Were we kind and loving toward all? How many as you grew in this found out that you were kind and loving more of the time even when you didn't feel like it? How many of you thought, well, by golly, I've arrived? (laughs) Because remember, we're defending the high place. We're defending the thought life. So were you kind and loving in all your thoughts throughout the day? Did you take 100% ownership of your emotional condition all day? The likelihood is none of us do because of lapses. So this is talking to us about the necessity. See, I admit it. Any of you been told by professionals that you were dependent? I had a a number of professionals tell me, Joe, you are chemically dependent. The dependence, they told me they didn't cure that. So I am dependent on divine power because they never took away my dependence. The only way I demonstrate my knowledge of my dependence is constant prayer and meditation. Otherwise, I have fallen into slumber and I can be deceived. Any of you ever had that experience? How many times today? Okay, so what could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? How many of you have discovered when you get caught in selfish thought, you get trapped in a loop? Why'd they treat me that way? This ain't right. Why'd I treat them that way? Whatever. Okay. You notice how it doesn't go away by beating ourselves. And it doesn't go away by hating on them. Okay. Or were we thinking of what we could do for others? Of what we could pack into the stream of life. The authors hit a little secret in here for addicts of the hopeless variety, if any of you are these people. When we turn our thoughts to others, a window opens into our consciousness and power flows in. That's why they said, watch, ask, discuss, turn. Turn my thoughts to another. Resolutely focus. What are you showing me? And power flows in. Okay. So, but we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. How many of you have saw Turn, did, and then thought, yeah, but that son of a bitch. (laughs) Or maybe, I wish I'd not done that. I feel so bad. I'm just going to hope no one saw it. Any of you think you could cover it up? So that's to, to drift off into worry, remorse, morbid reflection, either on their behavior or my behavior, their words or mine. I guarantee you very few people think about me quite as often as I think about me. So there's a high percentage of the chance that, that they were, weren't thinking of me at all. They were asleep just like me when we ran into each other. 
Okay, after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So for people that are atheist or agnostic, the obvious question is, why would I ask for forgiveness from a God I don't believe in? And that's a valid question. The reason you might is because the authors of this book studied the the Bible extensively before this was written for years. And what they learned is that, number one, humans are terrible at forgiveness. It's a divine act. So if you hear people say, you know, you just need to forgive you, God already did that. What you need to do is go tell everyone else God did that. Right? And so the only way that's going to happen is to awaken to that. And the reason we want God's forgiveness is God changes the meaning in our mind or removes it altogether. And you can go to Genesis or some of those books and you'll see exactly where terrible experiences are erased erased or removed with divine forgiveness. How many of you have realized that some of what you thought was terrible you could never be forgiven from was actually a path God put you on for this very moment in service to somebody else who needs to know what God did for you? There you go. That's why you want God's forgiveness. Because you know, it's not a theory. It's not an excuse. Okay, so on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So what happened there? I asked for a clear conscience and I went to sleep. And at some point, I'm going to wake up and they want me to tie right back in. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. So if I employ my mental faculties, what does that mean? Does it mean my brain's working for me? And I'm working for God, my brain's working for me. So if I have asked for this dishonest, self-seeking motive, self-pity to be removed from me, I now can employ. How many of you have woke up and you can still remember those dirty sons of bitches that did that damn thing to you? So now, either I'm a tool or my mind's a tool. You pick, you pick it, right? Right? Because whatever's going on is going on. So I can employ my mental faculties or my mental faculties will employ me. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, says, after all, God gave us brains to use. So God's not going to remove your brain and it's not unsafe to think and all the silly things we've heard over the years in the fellowship. Don't go in your head alone. The signs on the walls for years and years and years have said, think, think, think. We'd like you to wake up first. (laughs) But by all means, tell us about it. Right? Because love and tolerance is our code. Okay, so our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared along motive. So now they've told you the truth. They've learned that although they thought they lived on a physical plane, they do not. They live on a plane in their thought life, and all they have to do to take their proper role in the world is remember who they are and whose they are, and who you are, even if you don't know it. And serve and tell the story, yeah? All right, so in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. 
That ever happened to anybody? Okay. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Has that ever happened? What do you usually do? Sometimes we get mad, get confused. How many just launch out in any way? Just, they didn't tell me what I could do, so I'm just doing it. Okay. So what they said is here we ask God for inspiration. But they don't just leave us with a warm word. Here we ask God at the point of indecision. God, inspire me. And it will come to me as an intuitive thought for a decision. Notice how it will come to me. I won't come up with it. They're very careful with their words. And so we want to be careful. We're looking at a precise experience of theirs. None of us are we. So we read this book and think, well, you know, we think we're we, but we're not we. They're we. I've got to try and figure out what they did and see how I am, right? Okay, so... Here we ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought, or decision. We relax and take it easy. Why did they tell us that? How many of you have found that it isn't always easy at the point of indecision to relax or take it easy? So do you think they had a few experiences of not relaxing or taking it easy to learn to remember that the source of peace is within me? And if I'll go back to center, whatever's going on out there will calm. Yes? Okay. So we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. Sounds like it happened to him more than once. How many of you thought, okay, I'm calm, and then changed your mind? Perhaps overreacted. Okay. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. So the answers will come to you. Calm the storm. There's a story in that other book about... Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat. The storm's coming. They're afraid they're going to die. Lord, Lord, we're going to die. And he says, oh, ye of little faith, be still. The boat can't sink with the Lord on board. So somebody's feeling it. (laughs) Okay, so... What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God. Now they're talking to us about an awareness of being aware. They're talking about, I've made conscious contact. I'm aware some percentage of the time. And now they're going to tell me it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. Why did they tell me that? Because I demand to be inspired at all times. And it's... It's not probable that's going to happen, which is why there's promises. Why do we have promises in this book and other books? Because they're for the times when what's going on makes it less easy to see what's really going on. Right? They don't have to promise the obvious. They promise the inevitability based on the trials we're going to undertake. Yes? Okay. So we might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. How many of you have... Done something you thought was in the spirit and it was absurd? How many of you found out that although it looked absurd, it was not absurd? How many of you have had people with you say what you're about to do is absurd, but you felt called to do it and you went and did it and then found out? Sometimes. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a little story about this place, just if you'll bear with me. I, I quit a job. 
And Denise and I didn't have enough money to make it, and all our stuff went away. But I had met Joe Geppetta, and I was convinced in the spirit we could build this place, and we didn't have this place, and we didn't have any money, and none of us had anything. But the spirit said, this story and you go tell this story to who I direct you to, and this will happen. And all our stuff went away, and I went bankrupt. But you're standing in our place, and you're standing in his place. And everyone told us it was absurd. Everyone. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration, we come to rely upon it. And the witness I just gave you tells you why. People say, I'm crazy. I don't disagree. <laughs> but I do tell you, when I tell you, watch and see. So we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So I got through my meditation. Now I need to know what the next step's going to be. Yeah? So that's another prayer. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. Have you guys learned to discern that? It's kind of a struggle sometimes, huh? That's why we've got to, we've got to, the spirit's got to be tangible in our lives or, or it's just impossible to discern where, where I'm doing something in self-interest and where I'm doing something selflessly, right? People for years would say AA is a selfish program. Have you ever heard that? No, it's clearly not because it, it's a selfless program. They do everything to get rid of self, but the human condition won't, the minute I'm aware of self, self's not gone. It was suppressed. Right? So it's very tricky. Um, not, not for God, but for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're, never, we're careful to never pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. You guys that are newer in the process, you may not easily see why, but let me tell you, for those of us who have been through the process, I wanted my court fines, my alimony, my... Boss not to find out that weird shit. My, I wanted a lot of things to not happen or to be removed, and none of it was. None of it was, but I had this life of amends where I went out and I admitted to harms done, and I, I asked them what I could do to make it right, and I made my best effort to pay them back, and I found out that what the real problem was was, was guilt, shame, remorse, hopelessness. And those things, as I was empowered to walk through that poverty into my destiny, I realized I was now fit. And, and if all of that shit would have been removed, I wouldn't have come out this guy. Does that make sense? Okay. And that doesn't mean I've achieved sainthood. We're not saints. But I am willing to grow along spiritual lines. Make sense? Okay. So you can easily see why. And if you're not there, latch on to somebody and we'll show you why. Go through the process. Start serving. Watch what happens. You will, you'll get calls to go somewhere and you'll be planning to go with somebody to some big fancy thing. And the call will say, hey, I'm down here in the slope. I'm under a bush. I think I'm finally done. 
Can you come pick me up? And everyone's going to say, you're nuts. Leave that. He's not willing. And I've been that guy. And of course, he's not willing. Willingness is divine power. I'm going to go down and I'm going to talk him out from under that bush. And I'm going to take him to the detox for the 18,000th freaking time because somebody did that for me. Apparently, you can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. How would I know if circumstances warrant? They'd probably ask first. People love seeing our religion. They hate hearing about it. When they see it, they'll be moved to ask about it. Then they want to hear. And it isn't religion, then it's relationship. Okay. So if we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. So don't replace your AA disciplines with religious practice nor religious practice with AA disciplines. Do them both. It'll enhance, they'll enhance one another. Okay? So if not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select a few, select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. So people have copied prayers out of this book forever. They've written some of them in King James language. Most of us don't talk in King James language. So if that's not you, you know, God, please direct my thinking, especially it be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. That doesn't sound overly religious, right? And if you're real fresh, you know, Papa, can you help a motherfucker out? You guys have heard. <laughs> God knows how you talk. Um, there are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. I point out to you, they said where, not that. Let, let religious people be religious people. We recovery people have a language all our own. Religious people have a language all their own. And we don't talk, but we're talking about the same power. So let's quit fighting about words. And let's start introducing people to power. Because the power we serve brings those forces together for good. Okay. So make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. So now we're starting to get this manner of living on steroids, right? Pray, meditate, pray. Pause when agitated or doubtful. Pray, meditate, pray. Starting to sound like it might work? They really did describe it in detail, didn't they? It's cool if we read this book instead of listening to old Harvey at the meeting. Okay. We constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show. Why constantly? Because worldly desires constantly tempt. So I constantly remind this isn't, this isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm in this world, I'm not of this world. What, what's next? Yeah? Okay. And humbly, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Did I promise you the delusion of, doesn't say thy will, not mine anymore. Because in an awakened state, I know I may still be frightened, but there's not a will opposite God. This doesn't look like a good assignment, but if you're on board, Lord, let's go. Right? So we're then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. How would you like to be in less danger of those things? All of us who hate admitting we're wrong. Right? Any of you like admitting you're wrong? I don't. I, I hate it. How many of you have found when you're not arranging your day to avoid the experience of anger, excitement, and what have you, you find yourself more efficient, not less efficient? Yeah. How many of you just 
right at the beginning found out you couldn't get up to go to work, couldn't go do the things you were doing. All of a sudden, you're showing up, you're going to work, you're going to your meetings, you're cleaning up after the meeting. Like, wow, it's 11 o'clock. And then 6 o'clock next morning, you're at work and you hadn't been able to yeah, become, become more efficient because we learn spiritual power, right? Be where you say you'll be when you say you'll be there. Do what you say you'll do when you say you'll do it. That wasn't something I was looking for, but that's what... We became much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. So they talked to me in three about the actor arranging lights, the scenery, and the ballet. And now I know that I am not the director. i got to stand still. Joe, be still and know. And then it'll be indicated what the next step is to be. When it's time for me to play my part, I'll know. Right? Okay. So it says it works. It really does. I saw a bunch of you nodding. It must work. It really does. Right? And for those of you that don't know this, we want to show you. We want to show you. We alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. What's the way they just outlined? Watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask at once. And that's all on steroids. And pray, meditate, pray. Pause when agitated or doubtful. Pray, meditate, pray. So the source of my agitation is my thoughts, not my brother. Does that make sense? Now, it doesn't, logically, I still don't have the power to do it, but the one in me does. Okay. But this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. They went right back to James. The demonstration of the power in me and the proof of the power through me to me. Twofold. Why is faith without works dead for an alcoholic? Because I need to prove the power to me through me. And I also need to show others so that I may properly bear witness to people who have seen a changed man. Make sense? So the next chapter is devoted entirely to step 12. Next week we'll talk about step 12. Thank you.